Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Freemaker Adventures is back, and I feel like they're just trying to bombard us with episodes really fast so that when it's all over, we'll be like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, they're like throwing them all at us like 12 episodes in a matter of three weeks. Yeah, why? What is that about? I don't know. I thought I read something somewhere where they were kind of saying, well, it's like the new way that people intake you know, television shows now. People are used to the whole Netflix thing where they just drop all the episodes at once. So this is kind of their way of giving fans access to all the episodes really fast and then people can watch them on demand whenever they want. Well, you know, I do think it's kind of cool because we've had four episodes this week. I am through three of them. I haven't seen The Return to the Wheel, which I think is the first, the fourth one. Yeah. Um, but they've been really good and I've really enjoyed them. And also my new, I you know I love Xander Freemaker, right? I, I would assume that you would. Okay, well, I do. Cool and <laughs> and Rowan, Rowan goes in this one of the the most recent episode that I watched, he's like, Xander Freemaker, multitasking superstar pilot guy. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and he's Sorry. like, you think I'm going to fall for that? Because <laughs> I just did. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they've, they've been really funny this season so far. And like the one episode, I, I think I'm at the same place you are. I think I've watched three of the four. And um, the one that has... Grabala in it oh yeah that's just, the second one the whole time i was just laughing nonstop. so it's just it's it's getting better with time because now for the first season established so many characters and so many you know kind of like jokes that now there's references and jokes to the jokes from season one mm-hmm. so it's just it's it's getting better and better as the as the show goes on and like i know we're gonna it's gonna be over in a couple weeks and then we're going to just start wondering if there's going to be a season three. I feel like it's it's getting more and more fanfare now than it got mm-hmm. in season one. So I'm hoping that kind of like that swell of fandom kind of uh, starting to recognize the show uh, allows it to get a season three. I agree. How about when Roger kicks Hondo in the knee? He's like, none, <laughs> of, the, none of the other... None of the other droids have been programmed to do this. And he kicks him in the knee. Yeah, only this show can bring you a a like little scuffle between Hondo Anaka and Roger in a, a battle droid. It's just <laughs> so funny. Fighting really. children. But yeah, it's, it's it's good. Like I know this is our books podcast, we're talking about books, but um if people are listening to this and have not started watching Freemaker Adventures yet, you should definitely be watching that show. You really, really should. And it's just it's really good. And Bill Motz and Bob Roth just do a really great job with it. And it's it's like easy, almost like easy listening radio, but like easy watching TV of Star Wars. Just like turn it on, laugh for a little bit, you know, and enjoy And really fun stories. Like it's really cool. It's not just like parody stuff. It's like they actually tell really fun stories about this family. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what else is really cool? What? Interviews. Interviews are super cool, and we don't do as many of them as we should, but when we do, it's like we're having a great time hanging out with our new friend, Beth Revis, who wrote Rebel Rising, so let's jump into it. So we are here with the author of Rebel Rising, and also she's contributing to From a Certain Point of View, which will be coming out later this year. We have with us Beth Revis. Hi, Beth. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. No problem. We were so excited to have you, and I, you really don't know how excited I am right now. I'm like actually oh. like really super excited. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm just honored that anybody wants to listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we want to talk to you about Rebel Rising and, of course, about some of your fandom and stuff. So let's just start here. Have you been a Star Wars fan for a long time, or did that passion come from being involved with the franchise and writing for Star Wars? Oh, no. I was I was raised with Star Wars. Um, I was born after the movies came out in theater, so my mom had all the the movies videotaped and like she videotaped them from the television when they aired on TV. So I still know exactly where in return of the Jedi, which was my favorite where like the Domino's noise would commercial would come on and everything. (laughs) So We we literally wore those videotapes out. They they are completely ruined at this point, but yeah, I I have always been, and it, it didn't help that I had a brother named Luke and I had the long hair that could go into princess slay a bun so this is a lifelong passion <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well return of the jedi is actually why it's my favorite for sure still Aaron, is it still yours or has that changed it's always kind of like it always changes for me it's it's probably been the longest one that's been like my favorite but then it jumps back and forth between that and just the original a new hope so but Return of the Jedi has a very special place in my heart because that was kind of the first one I saw uh, as well or was old enough to remember. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like I was born after all the movies came out also. So we're in the same boat, Beth. Aaron's a little older and <laughs> not that just, much though. Just a not little. The, not that much. So did Return of the Jedi came out when you were like, what, two? Yeah, I was too. I was born the same year as Empire Strikes Back came out, so I was okay. a Star Wars baby. Star Wars baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually looking at your your bio on your website and noticed that you are a fan of many geeky things. Uh, yes. We we tend to talk about mostly Star Wars on this podcast, but every once in a while we'll we'll dip into some Harry Potter, Doctor Who, and I saw that you kind of shared those fandoms as well. So. Before we ask you like a ton of Star Wars questions, I was curious to ask a couple questions on those things. Like, who is your favorite Doctor? Oh, David Tennant, of course, Doctor Ten. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Notice <laughs> there's zero hesitation there. <laughs> I'm the only person who loves Eccleston. I I have not met another person other than myself. Eccleston was good. He's he's my second favorite. I think he was he was really really good and underutilized. But I am very excited for the new announcement of uh, the 13th Doctor. So that could be, that maybe David Tennant would get replaced. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm excited about it, too. Aaron, I know Aaron actually does a podcast all about Doctor Who. Oh, cool. uh, what have, what's y'all's reaction been? I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm 100% positive and very, very eager for it. <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> Yeah, I'm very excited for the change. It's um, it's something that I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to happen eventually that they would cast a female as the Doctor, but for whatever reason, I didn't think they'd do it this soon. And so it's kind of like, oh, wow, they did it. So And it, everyone seems really excited for it, and I think it, it really changes up like a lot of different story possibilities, and that's kind of the thing about Doctor Who. It's always changing, and that's part of what makes it so appealing. So, yeah. yeah, when I they think... asked the, miss, the Master as the Mistress, I... Thought that was a good possible lead into it, and I think that's where they're going to go. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now, now it's just waiting to see the Christmas special with kind of the the team up there, and then how is Capaldi yeah. going to go out, and who's the next companion? I mean, there's so much to be excited about right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it definitely revitalized everything. Yeah, and then the other question, the other geeky question to ask is, what is your Hogwarts house? I am a totally cliche Gryffindor. <laughs> I think I would probably be most like Hermione Granger. Like maybe I should be in Ravenclaw because I'm an utter nerd, but I would want to be in Gryffindor. So, <laughs> have you ever taken the quiz on Pottermore.com? Oh, oh yes, I have, and I, I am a Gryffindor according to Pottermore. There's a few of the other quizzes that'll put me in Ravenclaw, and I'm like, no, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's the Pottermore quiz that matters. Yeah, uh, it matters. So Aaron is in Gryffindor as well. Or are you in Ravenclaw and Pottermore? I can never remember. You always get it. Yeah, you always forget, and I get offended <laughs> when you forget. Okay, so it put, you in, it, it put you in Ravenclaw, right? I am definitely a Ravenclaw. Yes. Okay, but for some reason, I feel like you really want to be a Gryffindor. <laughs> I don't really. I don't know. I feel like Gryffindor is like the jocks. Well, they're like yeah. the cool kids. <laughs> Well, whatever to both of you. Um, I am a proud and loyal Hufflepuff 
and go Badgers go. So (laughs) (laughs) now here's the real question. If we're going to get super geeky, what is your house, the U.S. house? Do you know? I do know, and I have just forgotten it. Um, so it's the, the Ilverborny. You're a Thunderbird? I'm a Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I'm a Thunderbird, too. So. Hey, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> we would all be in the same house if we went to the U.S. house. Well, I'm in America, so. <laughs> yeah, right? There, yeah. Therefore, we are all Thunderbirds. <laughs> all right, so let's jump back into Star Wars, and we're, let's start talking about Rebel Rising. So... How did you get involved with writing this particular book and Disney publishing? Um, it actually came to me as a total surprise. I, um, I, very, I still very clearly remember when I got the phone call from my agent because I, I love my agent. I adore her so much. But every time the phone rings from her, I get this moment of feeling like I'm in elementary school and the principal is calling because I've done something bad, <laughs> even if she's never given me bad news on the phone. Um, but she called me and I answered the phone I was like what happened what happened and and she was like have you you like Star Wars right and like immediately my heart starts thumping out of his chest I'm like yes I totally love Star Wars she's like have you heard of these um, anthology stories that they're doing and I hadn't heard that much about it because at the time the most that was known is that there was an anthology story that was going to happen and Felicity Jones was attached the name Jen Urso had not even been released at that point in time um And she was asking me if I would be interested in it. And I was like, yes, yes, of course. And I I even told her, I was like, I'll tell them I'll do it for free. And she was like, no, I'm handling the negotiations. Don't talk to them yet. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that it was it was a total surprise. I wasn't expecting it. And and suddenly I was on an airplane to San Francisco to read the script to Rogue One. Wow. Yeah. How far in advance did you get a hold of that script before the movie came out? Um, I read an early copy in the spring and the movie came out in December. So it was almost a year, not entirely a year, but three quarters of a year ahead. And then oh I my had, gosh. I know. And then I had to keep my mouth shut the entire time. And like, like I knew I could not ever tell anybody like prior to, I couldn't like brag about this knowledge at all. And so I'm just sitting there and my husband obviously knew where I went. Cause I couldn't just be like, Hey husband, see you in a few days. I had to tell him where I <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I did have, I had to inform him that he was going to be in charge of the baby and things like that. Um, and I came home and I, I really, in my head, I was like, okay, at least I can tell my husband what I read and I, the secret won't burn inside me. And I opened my mouth and he goes, don't tell me a thing. I want to be surprised. And I was like, no. So I had to keep the secret to myself the entire time. <laughs> you could t- you could tell your baby when you're just like with the baby. <laughs> He's a terrible listener. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so with all of that, what about this novel was challenging for you? And did it spoil Rogue One for you? Because obviously you've read the script, but reading the script isn't the same as seeing the movie. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. I I remember very distinctly when I was reading the script and I read the end scene, which is obviously a very dramatic scene, and I got goosebumps all up and down my arms. And then when I was watching it on the big screen, like I I was clutching my husband's hand. I was like, oh, my God, is it going to happen? And in the back of my head, I was like, you literally know for a fact that it's going to happen. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) So there, I mean, there's nothing to compare when you add in the soundtrack and that the actors and actors seeing it come to life there's nothing that can beat that so what what about knowing the movie made the novel challenging for you because it's obviously at a different point in time in Jin's life it yeah I I think because I knew I got to know Jin really well and I really wanted to give her a happy ending and I, I I think I just sort of fell in love with her and so the most challenging part for me was writing this story and knowing that she was never going to have the life that I wanted to give her, which sounds very strange, but it was, it was a little bittersweet knowing that she was never going to have that sort of happily ever after. You, you wrote, you pretty much filled in the gaps or most of the gaps for kind of her backstory. Um, Mm -hmm. And you, it seems like you got to really kind of decide the different events that happened that kind of led up to uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And you were really mean to her. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't even deny it. I was totally mean to her. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's a fair warning that in all of my books, I'm really, really mean to my characters. <laughs> I think it takes an evil author to make a good story. So <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing so hard because <laughs> just the way that you said that, Aaron, just kills me. <laughs> There was a little bit of a sense of betrayal in there, you know. I'm reading the book. I'm like, oh, surely, like, the next group she meets, you know, she's going to be happy with. And it was like every yeah. group, it just got worse and worse for her. There was just, I mean, it definitely helps you kind of understand the character that she becomes because of all the trials she went through. But it just felt like everything just got worse and worse for this this poor character. I mean, I did give her a few bright spots before I utterly yanked them away and destroyed her soul. So... That's there true. So <laughs> I have a, I have a question about one of those bright spots because uh-huh. I I love YA. I'm a big reader of YA. I even read some yeah. of the some of the the more controversial YA <laughs> Twilight. Um, <laughs> okay, so tell me more about Hatter yes. and um, did he and Jin like really love each other? Like love oh. love each other? Oh, they had the special hug. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, they definitely did. Um, Hatter was an interesting character for me to write because I actually wrote two drafts of the book. And in the first one, I had her have a best friend character that was more like a sister. And I thought that I could recycle that character and just instead of having like this love story, she would have this sister-like best friend. Um, But that that didn't evolve at all. And in rewriting the book, Hatter and his mother, Akshaya, um, they just sort of sprang out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, this is much better. And I went in that direction instead. I'm really happy that I did. I am, too. And I mean, there was just some really sweet and amazing moments. And like one of the ones that just keeps coming to mind when I think about the book is when they sort of went off out into the no man's land of like just grass and just hanging out. And she (laughs) learns about the little mouse thing. And I'm like, this is so adorable. Like I could see the movie like I could see the scene. And I almost want like a cartoon of that. Like, just give me. Give me that whole scene as a Forces of Destiny short. That I, I hey, I'm I'm definitely for that. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then you blew him up. And then you blew him up and he died. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Did you ever consider bit. keeping those characters alive, uh, or, or was yeah. the plan always to to have them die? They were. They all. I mean, I named the planet Skull. They were always going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Doomed from yeah. the beginning. Um, but by the way, if, if that didn't kind of tip you off, we do talk spoilers in our interviews. So um, feel free to, to talk freely. Um, and okay. our, our listeners are aware of that as well. So Okay, good. Um, so you also got to not only flesh out the character of Jin, but you got to flesh out the character of Saul. Um, yeah. Very interesting character in Star Wars. You know, he's kind of one of these guys that you're like, okay, he's he's kind of part of the Rebel Alliance, but he's really not, and he's he kind of comes across as almost a bad guy in some ways, and you really painted him in this book as not necessarily having very many good qualities. Um, what was it like to kind of flesh out that character that we only saw for a very brief amount of time in Rogue One? I think I was more intimidated by Saw than Jin because... I could identify with Jen, not that my life was a horrible tragedy, but I could, I could understand her a little better. And I really, I think I, I was able to get to the heart of Jen more easily than I did with Saul. Saul was an incredibly difficult character to get into the mindset of. And I kept going back to the Clone Wars cartoon and I watched the scene where Saul watches his sister die so many times. I think I could draw it from memory at this point. Because to me, that was the turning point for that character. That before then, he was a little idealistic. And I think, like most teenagers, he sort of felt a little immortal. And that as long as he was acting, he was doing enough and nothing bad would happen to him. And when Stila dies, despite being good and doing everything the way she should and having a Jedi there who could have helped her, despite all that, she still died. I think that was what really broke Saul. And that was where I tried to sort of dig my fingers into that wound with that character. Now, did they give you any like stipulations of what you could and couldn't do in regards to Saul or 
maybe some guidelines of where he needed to be to help us really further understand his crazy in Rogue One? Um, not really. Like, I knew that he had to fit within a certain box. I knew how I had to get him to the point where he was as paranoid and as violent as he was in Rogue One. Um, but beyond fitting in with what already existed and, like, fitting him into this, the world that already was there around him, I had free range with this character. I had free range with the entire book. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. And since we're talking about that, I wanted to ask you about the scene where they pretty much just kill everyone inside this one building. Uh, How did you come up with that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I am an evil writer, most definitely. Um, Inusagi was my, one of my favorite scenes, which should tell you something about me. It's probably not a very positive thing, Um, but it's also one of the first scenes and one of the scenes that lasted through every draft. Like I, I really was attached to that scene because I think to me, uh, Saul was a character who didn't care about the means. He cared about the ends and he cared about getting what he wanted, no matter what the cost. And I really needed a way to show that. And that scene was, was pretty much always there because of that. Like he had to go into the dark side because he felt like doing this dark thing would be the the way to bring the galaxy into lightness. So you got to write, for brand new Star Wars characters, really, like you're when you're reading that script um, and trying to base, you know, a novel on that, you, you're getting to write a, about a character that no one had really seen yet. Um, mm-hmm. If you could write about a character, like a, a favorite character of your own in the whole Star Wars galaxy, like if you could pick any character to write a novel about, which character would it be? <laughs> um, this was actually a question that they asked at the panel I was on at Star Wars Celebration. And my answer was immediately, I would love to write Princess Leia as uh, a teenager, like a YA version of Princess Leia's story. And immediately after I said that, Jennifer Heddle, the editor at Lucasfilm Publishing, brought up the image of Claudia Gray's upcoming book, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And <laughs> I am extraordinarily jealous of that. But if anybody else was to do it, I'm so glad it's Claudia because she really knows Princess Leia and she gets the way she wrote Bloodline. It, I know that Claudia is going to do this book justice, but I still burn with envy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read Lost Stars? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay, good. Because I love that one, too. See, this is the thing I'm loving about Star Wars books right now is I am loving this YA genre and like that grit that we're getting that wasn't in the novels before. And it's actually for some people, I think it's a little jarring, like people who haven't really read YA, so they don't really know what to expect. So we've actually gotten a lot of comments from people that have said that, oh, this book is too dark for a YA book. And I just keep saying, have you read YA? (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Like, it is a case of the people who tend to say that are the people who who don't know why, who think why is just Twilight. Because Twilight's good, but it doesn't get very dark. But there's a lot, a lot of dark YA out there. There is. So how would you define YA and as far as, like, the Star Wars universe moving forward? Because we're obviously going to get more in this genre of novels so that people who are maybe new to it can sort of figure out, okay, this is kind of what YA actually is. Well, the good thing is, is that the original trilogy really is YA as well. A YA book is just a book about a character who is learning how to define himself and his place in the world. So especially in New Hope and Luke, how Luke starts off as thinking his life is very mundane and boring and he's not that important. And then he grows to find out who he really is and his role in the galaxy. That is exactly what YA is. Yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. Now, granted, you know, there may not be vampires or anything in the books in Star Wars, but... <laughs> <laughs> For the better, I think. <laughs> the... Well, and you know, it's it's interesting. is With that comment of people saying that it was too dark, I keep... I always go back to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows because that's one of the darkest books I've ever read. Ever. Mm-hmm. And it would really be considered YA, not children's, I think, by the time we get there in Harry Potter. Is it, would that be accurate, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think Harry Potter Harry Potter books one through three are middle grade and four and up are YA. Okay, yeah. yeah once once Cedric Diggory bites it, that's, that's YA. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. You did uh, drop a lot of Easter eggs into the book. Um, were there any that you think like people didn't notice? Maybe a couple that we missed. Yeah, there's there's two that I have never seen anybody comment on. Um, one of them is pretty pretty obscure, and and there's another one that I think people probably would get, but I, it's a little. It's a little out there, but maybe somebody's gotten it, but I've never seen anybody comment on on Twitter or anything else. So there's still two out there. I want to know what they are. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave that for your imagination. (laughs) The the one character I was kind of wondering, and you may have heard us talking about it if you listen to the the review of the book, um, Mm -hmm. and I was wondering about the Lasat character that ended up being at Saul's base, if that was a reference to the Lasat that... Uh, Callus was talking about in Rebels. It absolutely was. Oh, yeah. perfect. Oh, awesome. nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching Rebels pretty hardcore as I was writing writing the book, and when Callus mentioned that, I was like, I have to find a way to put it in. Oh, that's so cool. I love that kind of stuff. I, okay. uh, Easter eggs are my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we need to talk about one other kind of dark scene, but I actually really enjoyed it and I you you know when you listen to our review I talked about it and I actually think that it was very poignant for a YA to have this in there but the suicide scene what was the purpose of it for you as an author to put that scene in the book I think the the real reason is because I, I Jin starts off the movie as a broken character like she does not have hope Rogue One is really about Jen Erso going from a state of hopeless to hopeful. And so I needed to have her be that hopeless. And prison is not a good place. I also wanted to show that an imperial prison is no cakewalk. And even though she's not, I mean, in a concentration camp or something like that, like this was not a good place. And it, it is a place where hope goes to die. And I wanted her to see that. And I almost wanted her to be almost in that mindset by the time the book ends and the movie starts because that really defines who she is throughout the beginning of Rogue One. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I'd really thought about it like that. Hmm. Yeah, Good thing I to think of. I love, I love getting to hear authors and where, why they do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, that was one that I, I put a lot of thought into that because, I mean, it, it is a very tragic, it's only a few pages long, but I wanted it to have an impact, so I'm glad it did. Did you have anything that um, you, like, was was there any point that you were asked to dial anything back? Like, anything that you put into the book that they were like, oh, that's a little too much? Mm, nope. Um, I think that the only thing that, there were a few scenes that were contradictory in timelines. Like, I really wanted to have a Dr. Afra Easter egg in there somewhere, and I wasn't able to because it just didn't match up with the timelines. But that was really the only kind of, like, in terms of content that I couldn't play with was it had to match the rest of the universe. Um, but beyond that, like, we, we certainly talked about it. And this would be something that I would speak with my editor, like, you know, making sure that it still sounded like Star Wars and it still fit, like, in style. Um, but beyond that, no, I mean, it was never a matter of like any kind of censoring or anything like that. That that just didn't exist. They're very, very good to their writers and they have a lot of faith in the process. Oh, that's really awesome. And so since we're talking about timeline, uh, one of our listeners, Deborah, she actually asked about the Forces of Destiny short. So when does she go to Garel? Like where would that fit in the timeline of Rebel Rising? I don't know because I, I don't work with the forces of destiny, but I would imagine that would be in that time period when she um, w- was in the five point system. And there's a, a this is a very brief scene, but there's a scene where it goes and then several years passed. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it would be in that several years past kind of kind of timeline. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's kind of what I was thinking when I saw the short, but I was just wondering if you knew when Jin goes to Garel. But, but that was something I added specifically so that more stories could be told within that context. So um, I think that would be it. We'll go with that. <laughs> Did you have any, like you were kind of saying that some space was left for more stories to be told. Did you have any kind of ideas or stories that 
you were playing around with that you know didn't quite make the cut to put into the novel um there there's one specific storyline that's not told that i hope one day is told either through me or someone else um but Jen goes through a couple of different code names. And one of the code names that I don't give an explanation for is Liana Halleck. And I would love to see that explored of where she got that name. Oh, that would be cool. That would be very cool. I mean, I have an idea, Disney Lucasfilm, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So would you say that Jen is a rebel by the end of the book or is she still just trying to survive at this point? No, I don't think she's a rebel by the end. I think by the end she is she is a genist. She's a person who's only looking out for herself and and she sort of believes that the only way she can survive is if she puts herself first and she doesn't care as much. I think she's sympathetic, especially with that last flight and that if she had had a little bit more time with Blue and the others, she might have joined the rebellion, but it it didn't pan out for her. So you are going to be part of the the very long list of authors that are taking a part in this 40th anniversary book from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't gotten a ton of information about it. It's, very, it's kind of trickling out here and there. Some of the authors are, are sharing information. Most we haven't heard anything about the story that they're writing. Are yeah. you are you on lockdown with that stuff or are you able to share any hints I am on lockdown. Lockdown? Okay. That's what I figured. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a really cool story. I promise that much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we do have a – I have a couple of things here. We actually reached out to our Facebook group, and you're welcome to join because you can talk with all of the other Star Wars book people. But Kai Charles, she's really great, and she wanted to say that she really loved – your series, your YA series across the universe. Oh, So we did want to let you know that. And there's just a whole lot of love in here about how much you connected stuff. But some people did want to know, what were your influences as far as other canon work? So we've already talked about you were watching Rebels, and you did do some Clone Wars. What about, did you know anything about Catalyst at the time? Like what was being written in that book? I was lucky enough that they were able to send me Catalyst, and I got the Rogue One novelization. Um, and Catalyst gave me Josad. Um, or I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, X-O-S-A-D. I always called him Josad in my head, um, who does have a heavy role in Rebel Rising um, and also a Rebel's clue when Josad kind of asked Jen about the fulcrum. Um, so I was able to read Catalyst, and I also read the Rogue One novelization, which was really important because there is a scene that Alexander Freed, the author, um, included when Jen was in Saw's partisan group, where she just casually mentions some of the people that she remembered from the time at, at the partisan camp. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to put those in. And so all of those characters, uh, Maya and Staven and the rest of them, all started with Alexander, and then I expanded upon them in Rebel Rising. And no spoilers because the book just came out. But if you read um, Christy Golden's next book, Inferno Squad, you might see some of those again. Yep. Nice. Yep. <laughs> I'm right in the middle of Inferno Squad right now. so. Mm. Well, no spoilers, but <laughs> look out for some of those <laughs> This is kind of a me question, but have you gotten a Jin Forces of Destiny doll yet? I don't have that. I have all the rest of the dolls, but I don't have one of the forces of destiny yet. Oh well, Jen's very pretty, and you should you should get one of her for sure. I saw it at Comic Con, and I was like, "Can I buy one?" And they're like, "No, they're not in stores yet." I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it is a source of angst. <laughs> So let's talk just a little bit about some of the other stuff that you've done. If people have read Rebel Rising and they really enjoyed your writing style, what are some other things that you've written that you would suggest for them to go and pick up? Oh, yeah. Um, If you like sci-fi, then Across the Universe is my first trilogy. And it is basically a murder mystery in space. And there are three books, and they're all out now. If you like... um, something like Blade Runner and a little bit more of a psychological futuristic sci-fi. I have a book called The Body Electric, and that's a standalone single novel. And um, 
those are the three, I mean, the four books that are in like my sci-fi world. And after that, I wrote A World Without You, which is about a boy who thinks he has um, superpowers and is at a school similar to the X-Men Academy, but then finds out that that school is actually a mental institution. So it's a very twisty contemporary sort of novel. Oh, nice. That actually, I really want to read that. (laughs) (laughs) I really like it. And it just got a new cover and I really love the new cover. It's really creepy. <laughs> you sound like someone I'd want to hang out with. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Aaron, Aaron's getting scared. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least I'm only mean on paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to get okay. it out somewhere, right? Exactly. I'm a very sweet Southerner in real life. <laughs> So as far as the Star Wars universe goes, I'm kind of curious, just because I know where Aaron and I both lie as far as, you know, Jedi or Sith-ish. Where do you think you would be? Would you be more of a Jedi or more of on the Sith side? I think I would be uh, more along Ahsoka's line. I would, um, I, would, I would agree with the Jedi, but I don't know if I would necessarily follow their roles. <laughs> That's, nice. fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Those are the coolest <laughs> Jedi, right? You got, you know, like a... Like a Qui-Gon Jinn type or Quinlan Voss, you know, that kind of break the rules a little bit. And on a bad day, I would be a night sister. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. So if people want to follow you on social media and see what you're up to, uh, where can they do that? I am at Beth Brevis on everything but Facebook. And on Facebook, I am at author Beth Brevis. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I, I mean, there's a lot more space in Jin's storyline that hasn't been covered yet. So maybe we'll get a chance to see more from you about Jin or just another Star Wars book about a completely different character. I hope you get a chance to write another novel in the Star Wars universe. Me too. It's definitely a dream job of mine. Well, that was a really awesome interview that we had with Beth, and it was really cool because it came right on the heels of our review of Rebel Rising, so we got to talk about the the book in one episode, and the very next episode we get to re- to interview the author of the book. Yeah, I, I fangirled out really hard, and I hope I didn't embarrass myself, and I hope she actually wants to like still be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you did fine. I think you did fine. Yeah. Yeah. when you feel like you're you want to be friends with the cool kids and you just you're trying so hard to like be cool and be chill and you just end up like embarrassing yourself <laughs> i feel like that's what i just did <laughs> like she just stops returning our calls <laughs> yeah she's like uh i don't want to talk to that penguin person ever <laughs> no i mean it was it was a really good conversation i really hope that we get to see more from her you know with with star wars books and um it's really cool when you meet these authors and they're just really down-to-earth, fun people. It makes you like their books that much more. I hope all of you that have read Rebel Rising and just listened to that interview might be encouraged to go back and read Rebel Rising again and get to know it a little bit better. And find those two Easter eggs, she said, that are still out there that she wouldn't tell us. I know. What are they? <laughs> I was really hoping she was going to tell us, but uh, no. Not even when we stopped recording, she still wouldn't tell us. No, no, she wouldn't. It's kind of sad. But we do have a lot of book news to talk about because there was, and I know it's been a while since San Diego Comic-Con, but we we haven't recorded too many episodes, so this is our first chance to get to this news. But we wanted to talk about kind of the list of books that is still upcoming, Journey to the Last Jedi, um, some new books that were announced at San Diego Comic-Con, and just more details we got on books that we already knew about. So we're going to kind of go down this list and just talk about what we know now and and uh, do a little bit of a discussion. Yeah, and especially since Force Friday is uh, less than a month away now. So some of this stuff is going to start coming out here pretty soon, and we're going to be bombarded again, as they like to do to us on this podcast, with books. Yes. Indated with books. So, all right, so this first thing, this wasn't – necessarily announced at New York Comic Con, but it was announced when was this? What, a couple of days ago? I feel like maybe it was last week. Yeah, I, I think it was yeah, it was last week. So pretty recent. Yeah. So we got all of the authors that are going to be in the Star Wars from a certain point of view. 
All of them. We know full all of them list. now. Yes. Full, complete, and total list. Do you want to read one side and I'll read the other? <laughs> sure. I don't. I mean, you can read them all if you want. Okay. But. All right. Here we go. Are everybody ready? Ben Acker, Renee. I don't know how to say that. How would you say that? Renee Ade. Ade. Tom Engelberger, Ben Blacker, Jeffrey Brown, Pierce Brown, Meg Cabot, Ray Carson, Adam Christopher, Zoraida Cordova, Delilah Dawson, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Paul Denny, Ian Dosher, Ashley Eckstein, Matt Fraction, Alexander Freed, Jason Fry, Kieran Gillen, Christy Golden, Claudia Gray, Pablo Hidalgo, E.K. Johnston, Paul S. Kemp. Uh, what is this one? Can't read. Mer Lafferty, Ken Liu, Griffin McElroy, John Jackson Miller. Uh, I always mess this one up. Nede Orcafor, Daniel Jose Older, Mallory Ortberg, Beth Revis, Madeline Rue, Greg Rucka, Gary Schmidt, Kevin Scott, Charles Soule, Sabah Tahir, Elizabeth Wine, Glenn Weldon, Chuck Windig, Will Wheaton, and Gary Witta. I'm excited. It's quite a list, and we still don't know excited. a lot about these stories. You know, we're like we were just talking to Beth about it, and she was saying, "Yeah, there's still, still, I can't say anything." So, um, but we now know the full list of authors. So, did you just have a couple of those that stand out to you that you're really excited about? Uh, hmm. There's a lot of names we know. We, there's a lot of so, names that we've we've read before, but anybody that maybe hasn't written a Star Wars book before that you're excited about? You know, some of these, I maybe Kevin Scott might be one of them that I'm pretty interested in. And, hmm. Well, Delilah Dawson's Phasma book isn't out, but I am really curious to see what she writes. And I don't know. What about you? Um, I think Paul Dini would be interesting just because mm -hmm. he, he's, you know, he's famous for his involvement in, in Batman, the animated series, which was a show that was, you know, a major part of my childhood. So just to kind of see what he would bring to the table. That's interesting. A name like Will Wheaton, like just because he's so well known, I'm really curious, um, kind of what type of story he would write. Mm -hmm. Um, anybody else stand out? I mean, there's a lot of these names I actually don't recognize, uh, but but we I mean Ashley Eckstein's another one too. Like is is she kind of writing her own story or is she co-writing with somebody? I don't know. So yeah, I mean I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be really cool. And I actually don't want to know much about this book. I don't want people to like leak stories or synopsis or whatever. Just let me be surprised. <laughs> you know, I just I think that is probably one of the biggest and coolest things about this particular book. So. Moving on to the next thing. Are you excited for this next thing? I don't know what you're going to say, so I don't know yet. Oh, I was just reading. You're just down going the down the list? Yeah. Okay, so the Thrawn comic adaption? Mm-hmm. So this, I think from what I've gathered about this, that it's going to be kind of uh, an adaption of the novel. Yes. So I'm not as excited because I would have I would prefer like a, a new story about Thrawn which I would be more excited about um you know I don't typically get into the adaptions you know if I've read the story in one format I don't necessarily look forward to reading it in a different format but I think I, I did hear that there will be some new things added to the comic that weren't in the novel so it's it, it's interesting yeah that could be cool I mean I'm I'm interested in it, but I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. Like, I would prefer new story rather than just rehashing what we just read. So, we'll see. We'll see. This next one, I had to stick in here because we didn't have it on the list. I left I, it out. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I was trying to go through the list and say, okay, we can't go through all these. There's too many uh, to talk about. So, the one, the cookbook, I can definitely leave out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> No. And the reason is I have all the other Star Wars cookbooks. So the st I don't cook really, but I have all of the Star Wars cookbooks because, I mean, you have to have them, right? Because you never know. So this one is the Star Wars cookbook BB-8, A-T-E. <laughs> <laughs> Clever wordplay. Uh, it's being published by Chronicle Books, and the author is Laura Starr. And this is – I read the, the synopsis, and I was like, ooh, this sounds exciting. 
Awaken your inner force with 29 intergalactic breakfast recipes. And I love some breakfast, including Admiral Akbar's Maz Kanata frittatas and more. Each easy-to-make, mouth-watering recipe features characters and scenes from The Force Awakens along with some from The Last Jedi. Star Wars action figures grace each photograph set in epic scenes from the films, providing an extra helping of humor on the side. Oh my gosh, Admiral Akbar's. What are those? I want to know because I want to make them. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if we'll review this on Star Wars Bookworms. Uh, maybe not, but I just want it. I want to buy it. So the next one on the list is DK is releasing a book called Ultimate Lego Star Wars. I thought this, you know, there's not a ton of information about this, but I thought it was worth mentioning because I enjoy Lego Star Wars and I know you do too. So it looks like it's going to be kind of similar to the Ultimate Star Wars book, but all about Lego. Yeah, that's exciting. I They've done lego star wars books before and like they've done ultimate guides and they've done like a there's like one that's like the ultimate minifigs or something like that yeah. and the, those are all really cool yeah so that's cool all right so this next one is from studio fun this is forces of destiny tales of hope and courage and it's an upcoming young readers book based on the animated micro series forces of destiny which will present the stories as if they were told by Maz Kanata. And this is written by Elizabeth Schaefer, and I'm excited about this. This looks cute, and more Forces of Destiny, the better. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then the next one is by Del Rey. It's uh, Canto Bite, which is an upcoming anthology of four short stories focused on the characters from the casino of Canto Bite. Uh, which I believe is going to be in The Last Jedi, or a, right. a place they go in The Last Jedi. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be kind of an anthology. The authors are going to be uh, Saladin Ahmed, Ray Carson, Mira Grant, and John Jackson Miller. And it will be part of the journey to the Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, and this one doesn't get released until December 5th, so closer to the movie coming out, which makes sense. All right, this uh, I'm going to let you have that one. I'll take this one. So Disney Press is bringing out two young adult novels, one based on Luke, one based on Leia. So I'm going to talk about the Leia one. So this is called Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and it's a young adult novel, and it's written by one of our favorites, Claudia Gray. So excited. So this particular YA novel, uh, Claudia Gray has done some stuff with Leia previously, when she wrote her as a post-Return of the Jedi character um, in Bloodline. So while we see her, we see Leia much older, in her much older years in The Last Jedi, which will feature Carrie Fisher's last performance as the character, this particular book takes Star Wars fans back to when she was a teenager and not yet a revolutionary. It's pretty far in the timeline from the events of the new film, But what they do say is that these stories will contain clues to the new story. So as for exploring the long time ago aspects, the past informs the future. There are still many unanswered questions and we're looking to fill in some, but not all of those blanks. So that's what this book is going to do is it's going to sort of fill in that teenage portion of Leia's life. And that excites me. Yeah, and that's kind of about where we see her, I think, when she makes her appearance in Rebels. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if they tie in any of the events we kind of saw her take place in in that show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The other one that Disney Press is doing, um, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, um, this is going to be another junior novel. And this is an interesting one because it's actually going to be kind of a canon, but maybe not really canon kind of thing because it's... It's basically stories about Luke Skywalker told from the point of view of people who kind of saw him do something or or whatever. So it's almost like a, a tall tale or a myth or a legend about a character. So there will be elements of truth probably to the stories, but not necessarily actually what happened. So it's it's kind of a cool idea for a book. I know there's been some debate as to like, oh, are the, is this going to just confuse people You know that are you know, so worried about what's canon and what's not, and now this is going to make it even more blurry. Me, as somebody that actually does care about canon, this this is something that I think is a really cool idea. 
because um, I don't mind there being some blurry lines from time to time. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, is that I don't think it makes, it doesn't blur canon, in my opinion, and I care about the canon aspect, too. What I think, you go into this with the mindset of, these are stories that have been passed on and passed on and telephoned, essentially. And so there's going to be things that are exaggerated or things that actually never happened. But what's canon about it is that these are real characters in the real Star Wars universe and this is what they really believe this is what they think about luke skywalker because this is what's told you know around the galaxy and so that is what makes it canon oh definitely but there will be people that will read the the stories and and try to pick apart pick apart what you know oh well if there's a story about luke doing this then you know how much of that is actually canon you know there i'm just saying there's going to be people that that care I know, but I'm just, that's why I'm saying you have to go into it with the right mindset so as to not get confused. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> it's all about going in with the right mindset for sure with this kind of stuff. Um, what else do we have here? So uh, from Harper, we're getting Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor, which is going to be a kind of a reference book about Stormtroopers written from an out-of-universe point of view. So it's not going to be in-universe like a lot of these reference guides um, and this one's going to be written by writer Wyndham and our good friend Adam Bray. So that mm -hmm. looks pretty cool. And I think this is the one that has the foreword by John Boyega, I think. Uh, yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. So that'll be really, really neat. Now, this next book, so excited for this. And I believe when I told you about it, you thought it was a joke. <laughs> you laugh, but that's what you said, right? Well, I did. I, yes, because when you said there was going to be a book with this title, I will, I'll let you tell what it is, and then I'll tell why I thought it was a joke. Okay, so the book is Chewie and the Porks, and it's being published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. Thank you, Disney Lucasfilm Press, for making this book and understanding that we all need it and that we have to see Chewie and the Porks. And while I'm at it, Thank you, Hasbro, for making a Chewbacca figure coming out in the Last Jedi line that has a port. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, babe. Anyway, the uh, writer is Kevin Shinnick, and artist is Fiona Hesh, maybe? And it's from Emmy Award-winning writer Kevin Shinnick comes a lovable tale of Chewbacca, the Wookiee, and the pesky porgs of Octo Island, featuring adorable illustrations by artist Fiona I don't. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your names. Hesh, Hesh. Maybe it's say. Say. Yeah, because the H Maybe. might be silent. Maybe. It's one of but those. But either way, why do you think I was lying? <laughs> I didn't think you were lying. I thought that there was like maybe a, a a parody or like they were just joking. Like, hey, haha, we get that everybody thinks these porgs are cute, so we're gonna you know come up with this fake book cover. Um, but no, yeah, it's definitely real, and. I just think it's very interesting because when I watched the that sizzle reel that everyone saw the porgs in and it kind of blew up the internet about these little creatures, they've just it's it's crazy how it's caught on. You know, people are doing fan art, people are already making these these pins. Now there's a book that's already, you know, being published and they're already in the action figure sets. And like to me, when I watched that sizzle reel, I was like, Oh, that's kinda cool but it didn't stand out to me the way that everybody else jumped into it so i was like thinking is this book literally just a response to how popular those things have been online or was this something that was already planned had to have been already planned i don't know it's a children's book you can, i mean they could have just been like hey they write they, they call up kevin and be like hey kevin you know kevin shinnick these porgs are hot right now. Do you think you could write up a kid's book real quick? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I think that's uh, that's insulting to people who are kids book writers. Maybe yeah, probably. That, I'm it, sorry. that it doesn't that it doesn't take them time and effort. Well, I mean, um, this is probably not being released until December. So I mean, they can come up with the idea without actually having the book written yet. So I don't know. I just I, this this whole porg thing is it's baffling to me. What? There was literally nothing else in that sizzle reel. Like, at all. Other than the porgs. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing else except for the porgs. I mean, did you see how cute it was? It was, like, looking at you like, oh, oh. Like, come on. I'm not denying that they're adorable. It's just, it's funny to me how it's kind of, it's 
it's almost like the new loath cat you know like everybody's for just christmas gonna... i'm gonna buy you a porg and I'm... I'm gonna make you take pictures with it that's hey i will accept any gifts you give me including <laughs> porgs including porgs. there's gonna be like they're, they're gonna have to have um you know a porg plush and Heck yeah, they are. I just wonder okay. if okay, this is Okay, all right, gonna... all right. So you have, you clearly haven't listened to Fangirls Going Broke, so I'm going to tell you two things, okay? okay? So Trisha Barr has said that there's a rumor of there being a animatronic-type plush sort of pork toy a la Furby or Hatchimal. And if that is true, I need one. They must be... So bad. They must play some role in this movie other than just kind of showing up in the background. <laughs> if they're showing up in so much merchandise. I, like, they didn't stand out to me in the trailer, really. And that's why it's so funny to me because, I don't know. They must play some role in the movie. Okay, so there's that. And then Ryan Johnson actually said in an interview that because we were trying to figure out what a group of porgs would be called. He <laughs> said that a group of porgs would be called a murder of porgs. A murder of porgs like ravens? Which is yeah. Okay. So um, that's scary. And then we also know that they have some little sharp pointy teeth, but we do know that they are not carnivores. They don't eat people. Okay. So whatever that means. <laughs> and <laughs> like why I care so much. So they're not going to be like I the next Ewoks, basically. No, they're not the next Ewoks, but Pablo Hidalgo said on Twitter that due to their isolation on Octo Island, that they would actually be probably pretty friendly because they would be like really curious and less scared, you know, mm -hmm. not really skittish. And so that's exciting. It excites me a lot. So here's what I picture. I picture Chewbacca with a bunch of little baby porgs like running around at his feet being like, you know, whatever noise they make, you know, like. What kind of noise do you think they make? Does. I don't, I really don't know. Like, give me your um, best guess. I have no no. Come on. No, no I won't do it. <laughs> Something like that, maybe. <laughs> like a like a weird like like sort of seal slash like cat meow. Do you think they don't talk? Like they're not sentient. They don't talk. I don't think they talk. I think they just, they just like, like make little okay. little noises like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next book <laughs> is. From Lucasfilm Press or Disney Lucasfilm Press, uh, Cobalt Squadron, and this is going to be a let's see, this looks like it's going to be a junior novel written by Elizabeth <laughs> Wine and artist Phil Noto. Uh, so yeah, basically, this looks really cool. Yeah, it seems like I keep seeing the name Cobalt Squadron come up in different in some of these different books that are coming. So that's that's going to be interesting to see kind of if that's um something that shows up in the last jedi the cobalt squadron shows up or members of the cobalt squadron show up in the last jedi but i know the new character rose has been uh on the cover has been seen on the cover of it one of, of one of these books so I think... this is this one so cobalt squadron it's her and it's a story about her and her sister and her okay. sister is like a pilot okay cool so yeah this seems like pretty neat so she's not a pilot though i don't she might also be, or she's, or she's like a technician. Yeah, I feel like she, from what I've seen, it looks like she's kind of like a, yeah, a technician. So, that's cool. So this, and then we have um, The Art of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and this is from Abrams Books, and like all the other Art of Books, it's going to be stunning. I can already see it in my head. This is maybe my most anticipated of the new book releases. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. I love The Art of Books. They... They just give you so much behind the scenes information and you get to see all of the kind of the concepts of the characters and kind of what they could have been. And I just, I like eat those books up. So yeah, this I is, should really get one of these then. Yeah. This is, um, the one that they did for the last, or for force awakens was amazing. The one they did for rogue one was amazing. So I cannot wait to see this book. All right. Well, I'm excited about this one, which would be the last Jedi visual dictionary written by pablo hidalgo of course and we know how how great it is to have these books as companions like right after you see the movie to be able to look at this and be like okay this is this that is that uh <laughs> really excited and looking forward to that just to give us some depth about the movie was that a sly it, flounder reference it was <laughs> this is this that is that, that, is that. 
What is she, what does he actually say? He like it's something like that though. Yeah. He's he's basically mocking Scuttle at that point. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He is. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Our Disney so, moment. <laughs> so one another one and I I think you're probably more excited for this than than me, but this is the last Jedi incredible cross sections from coming from G, DK and it's written by Jason Fry. And so this will be one of those ones that looks at vehicles from The Last Jedi and stuff like that, kind of dissecting them and looking at them all in the inside and stuff. Yeah, and it's written by Jason Fry, who apparently is writing all the books. He's writing all of the books, literally (laughs) all of the ones we have coming up. So he's a very busy man, very busy man. And this one, I don't know what this one is. So this is Studio Fun. So it's going to be like another one of those books that kind of like Ray's Journal and Ezra, or like the ones we've gotten, what is it? Ray's Survival Guy and Ezra's Journal. Um, so it's probably along those lines. It's called The Last Jedi Bomber Command. Um, and just the, the blurb here. Complete with stories, secrets, and insights, this guide will immerse readers in the world of Cobalt Squadron. From Star Wars The Last Jedi includes gate folds with exclusive artifacts, including starship schematics and more. So yeah, it's... It's along the lines of kind of what we've gotten before with those type of books. So oh, well, then I have to have this. Yeah, you, you, this is definitely going to be one you want to get. And it's another one focusing on Cobalt Squadron. So that's that's a, a name that keeps popping up. All and over the place. Jason Fry. And Jason Fry. And that. here's Hey, and guess what? This next one is by Jason Fry. Hey, you know who we should interview? Jason Fry? Jason Fry. <laughs> All right, so Jason Fry is also writing the Star Wars The Last Jedi novelization coming out from Del Rey, so that is really exciting. And then the junior version of the novelization is being written by Michael Kogi. Right, yes. And yeah. um, it's fair that we're talking a lot about Jason Fry because when we did our book countdown, we ranked oh, yeah. our books and we didn't include the junior novels, like all the um, you know uh, Servants of the Empire stuff. Jason mm-hmm. Fry shot us a, a little tweet, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> we we've we've been shamed by Jason we, Fry, who we actually both know, and and he's a really cool guy. We we love you, uh, but we we were shamed, and uh, no more shame. And also, we will be interviewing you soon, sir, because <laughs> because you have one, two, three, four, five, ten books coming out. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, we don't we don't include the novelizations on our rankings, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to get out of this We won't one. get out of it. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's – and it's not a all full exhaustive list of every book announcement. No. There's there's some we left out. Some, you know, there's sticker books. There's kids' books. There's there's Kirigami books. Yeah, there's, there's all uh, kinds of books that little are – Little golden books. Right. So there, there's all kinds of books that are coming down the road for Star Wars. Um, we kind of hit the highlights and the ones that we think would be most interesting to us as readers personally and as our, for our listeners as well. So, And we will uh, be trying to cover as many of these as we possibly can, but it's going to be another one of those situations where uh, between now and December, there's going to be so many book releases. Um, it's going to be a lot to keep up with. It is. And you know what? I actually kind of would like to put it here on the podcast and we'll probably put it up in our Facebook group also. But aside from the novels that come out from Del Rey and Disney Lucasfilm Press, and then, of course, the DK books that we review, what would you guys like to see us review? Do you want us to do some of these, like, you know, kids-related books or, like, some of the, I don't know, what would you call them? Like, the reference guides, like, things like that. Let us know because... We have gotten to the point a couple of times now that we're doing more and more episodes that we can kind of fit in maybe like a quick review of some of these other things. So let us know either in an email or you can let us know in our Facebook group. But um, we just kind of want to know what else you guys want to hear from us. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're trying to do now more is involve the listeners. And we started the Facebook group. And so we've been, you know, as we're reviewing the novels, we're having you guys send in your comments. When we interview people, we want you to send in your questions. Um, and so that's even like like uh, Teresa was just saying, you know, give us your opinions even on what you want to hear us cover. Because as we're looking forward to the next episode, we have three or four different things we could be talking about. Uh, we're, we have the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, Guardians of the Wills, Inferno Squad, kind of all on our radar right now. So if there's one of those three 
that you really would like to hear us talk about, like definitely shoot us a message and let us know because uh, your opinion will affect um, what we cover and in what order we cover it. Yeah, and absolutely. And I also wanted to mention just because um, we did just finish up our interview with Beth Revis. Um, she will be in our Facebook group by the time all of you guys hear this. And she is willing to talk and chat with you guys about Rebel Rising and just about Star Wars in general. So if you haven't joined our Facebook group, you need to get in there <laughs> because it's so fun and cool. And it's the place where all the cool kids hang out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I think we're good to wrap up this episode, though. Star Wars Book I think Runs, right? we are. Yeah, we're 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 good. Right. Hey, Jason Fry. <laughs> was was that just a shout out to Jason Fry at the end? It was. Okay. It was just, just like, hey, Jason Fry, how's it going? Just want to shout out to my sorry, friend Jason. Sorry, sorry, we we uh didn't put your books in our list. <laughs> I did send him the episode numbers of all the times we've reviewed his other books. <laughs> so anyway, you can find us on Twitter. We are at SW Bookworms, and you can email us what you'd like to hear us review, starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash starwarsbookworms, and you can actually just search Star Wars Bookworms to find our Facebook group. And... If you click to join, pay close attention because there are a couple of questions. We do a little miniature screening process just to make sure you're legit and not a robot. So make sure you answer those couple of questions for us. And then once you do that, we will let you in. Yes. And you can find us on iTunes and you can leave us a review on iTunes. So if you listen to our show and you enjoy it and you haven't left us a review yet, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. You can find Teresa on Instagram and on Twitter at IceColdPenguin. You can find me at A.V. Goins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you. <laughs>